From realghoststoriesonline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. Group therapy for the paranormally affected. The phone number to call in is 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story. We would love to hear it, share it, discuss it, and uh, figure out what exactly is going on, you know, as best we can, and uh, offer up some uh, some advice or some thoughts uh, from the studio and from the community. Uh, uh, to your stories. Uh, so again, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call. And you can also write in through our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, press the subscribe button. That helps us out quite a bit and it also helps you. You get every single show delivered directly to you, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and now the TuneIn Radio app. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah, I put it on there and I, I, I was fiddling with that earlier. I was trying to like search and I couldn't figure out the search function. So I'm sure someone knows how to use the app, but okay. we're there too. So <laughs> if you like the TuneIn app, we are there as well. Uh, so uh, so check that out. Uh, and remember right now, we're encouraging you to become an EPP, which is an extra podcast person. That's uh, a way you can help support the show uh, and uh, some of the costs that we endure to give you this show every single day of the week. So you not only get the knowledge that you're supporting the show, you also... Uh, get yourself a bonus episode of the show every single week. We're producing an extra one as a thank you, and you're going to get in a lot of other extras and goodies uh, that are only going out to the EPPs, some exclusive video stuff. The regular show, it's going to remain free. It's still going to be out there every single day, just like this that you're listening to. That's not going away at all. But there's going to be some extras as a thank you for supporting us. It's just 5 bucks a month, and you can uh, become an EPP through the website at Real Ghost Stories Online. Click on that Become an EPP button right there on the side of the page. Lots of calls today, lots of follow-up, and uh, let's just get right to some of that uh, on today's show. Uh, I wanted to, uh, to to pass along this. I thought this was kind of interesting. Um Zach Bagans, the guy from uh, one of the uh, the reality ghost shows, Ghost Adventures. Ghost Adventures, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking the other day about um, uh, Gary, Indiana, and what a, a fine place that is. Okay. <laughs> or not so much. Um, anyway, uh, Zach Bagans, and I don't know if this is a rumor. I don't know. Someone forwarded this to us, so take it for what it's worth. I have no idea if it's factual or not. Uh, apparently, he's uh, interested or has purchased a house in Gary, Indiana. That's earned the reputation of the portal to hell. The unassuming house was on a quiet street and began... Uh, oh, this is the Latoya Amon's house. Oh, we bought that? Well, someone just sent this to us. Like, literally, right before the show, and I thought it was interesting. Um, this is the one where they had the Department of Child Services uh, right. that came in there and the diocese. And, and that whole part of the story was pretty true. Um, it was very well documented. Yeah. Nurses, um child protective services and all kinds of official type people and law enforcement a whole lot of law enforcement involved in that mm-hmm. wouldn't have i mean they were wanting to not have anything to do with that house and that whole story yeah uh well according to the huffington post he bought it so this is fairly legit it's not just uh uh, fodder here on some other website. Um, so Zach Bagans purchased a house for $35,000. What's he going to do with it? I have no idea. Why would you want that? I mean, I get, you know, if you're a paranormal investigator or whatever, I mean, that's that's your thing. That's your thing. I mean, hell, we talk about the ghosts. We just don't investigate them. But just knowing what you know about, you know, dark entities and spirits and things that can uh, attach themselves to you and... Yeah. Why would you? Why? 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 Why would you want this property? What are you ever going to do with that property? Do you think? And this may be a stretch, but do you think he did it as out of a like I'm going to buy this so so she can leave, so she can leave, so the the landlord doesn't have to deal with this anymore? Because you know, not to say he's more equipped to handle it, but at least he has, I think, probably a better idea of what's going on. He says, I, ha- I, I really have a passion for this stuff and the research aspect uh, after uh, making an offer to the landlord. Um, so I, I guess it's going to be used for research. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I mean, when it attacked the Fox News crew, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, I don't know. I mean, again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about the other night with Cisco. It's one of those cases where, 
you know, if you believe in this stuff and, and you, you heard these stories and you read this case that's fairly well documented, uh-huh. it's not a whole lot of question that there's something going on there. Right. So, okay, research. What are we proving? Other than, I mean, I, the people who are not going to believe this, no matter what you put in front of them, that is documented, they're still not going to believe it. So right. we're just like continually proving to ourselves that this stuff exists. Well, and I, I think, you know, him saying that it's for research mm-hmm. isn't necessarily to convince the people that don't believe. Yeah. It's more for us to find out more about how, I guess, demons work. I bet it ends up as some sort of special I don't <laughs> on know. travel channel. I'm just glad the family was able to get out of there. Yeah, I mean, good for her. I mean, she was able to get out of the house. I mean, after doing that, you know, the all the TV stuff and the publicity around it may have been a... Number one, real estate's not probably the easiest to sell in that city to begin with. Uh, but when you have that press around it, you know, probably not uh, that much easier. Well, and I have to say, I feel better somebody like him buying it than just some unsuspecting yeah. family. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. That's interesting. It's funny. Right? When I started reading this story, I'm like, I should probably fact check this quickly before we continue on with that conversation. Uh, but yeah, Huffington Post says it's real. So um, and there's and there's some several other fairly reputable sources. So. There you go. If it comes out tomorrow that it's all a bunch of BS, uh, well, we were we did source it. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, Joe Barnes wrote in saying uh, embalming isn't mandatory in Texas. However, I bet that most people take advantage of the embalming service. Not mandatory where you come from. I have no comment on that. Uh, another person says a lot of times in Mexico when the deceased person is elderly, they often just go ahead and make arrangements to get buried the, very fast without being embalmed. Also, lots of times people can't afford the embalming service, so it's easier to just go ahead and bury them. A bit gory, but my dad tells a story where his uncle unfortunately blew up in the casket in the middle of his funeral due to the gases and stuff. Ooh. That's awful. <laughs> What was that? Did get someone invite Gallagher to smash watermelons? Oh, no. Oh, that's, that's gross. That. <laughs> Remember Gallagher? Could you imagine being the family sitting there horrified? No. No, I really can't. That would be so scarring. That would, that would have to be a closed casket, wouldn't it? If you, if you blew up, it had him in a closed casket because of the, the gases and everything. You would hope. So did the... Well, then he probably didn't, like, <laughs> explode onto anybody. I'm thinking it probably has heard a pop. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Do uh, you look? If it's closed casket and it pops and It's you like hear canning. That? When you hear the click, you know it's done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that is gross. That's very gross. Uh, also, uh, uh, what else does he say? Uh, uh, also about the mausoleums, lots of times caskets do blow up on them or leak, which can be quite unpleasant at the mausoleums. That's nasty. Can you imagine having to be the mausoleum cleaning up guy? Okay, no offense to your your grandmother and her choice to be in a mausoleum. I don't understand that. I just, I don't. A lot of people do it. I mean, I get it when you're in an area where, you know, the water table and stuff, and you want to be in a certain area. I want one of those cool marble stone things that's above ground. Yeah, but at least with the mausoleums, you're up a little bit higher. So when it floods, you're not going to get washed away. Yeah. But my concern with the mausoleum is this, tornadoes. What if a tornado comes, you know, a really big one, and starts sucking those things out? I mean, they they are just drawers. Now, granted, these are granite buildings. Right. They're pretty stable. So you need a, probably a pretty good tornado. But if you had like an F5 go through there slowly, I think they would probably pop those drawers out. I think the buildings would still stand, but I think your drawers would be popped out. And anything in those drawers, like the caskets, gone. I wonder if that's ever happened. I don't know, but some of the storms we get around here and in Oklahoma, I could see that happening. You don't see a lot of mausoleums around here, though. Do you? I think there's some small ones in some of the larger cemeteries, but most of everybody, I mean, if it's you're all not... pretty well... If underground you're not cremated you're buried and then even then some people like i know somebody that um they had a family member cremated and then buried the remains so you can even do that sure i just want to be buried underground i think i'm cool with that i don't want to be burned up i want to be buried you know that's you don't want your ashes sprinkled in no. your favorite place i don't like that idea i mean i get some people that's what you want to do that's totally up to you i'd rather be whole i'd be whole and ready to be a zombie 
Okay. So I can pop up through the ground, just like on Thriller someday, and be like, what up? It's your choice, and, whatever you want to do. And do the dance. Okay. I want to be buried in one of those, uh, the Michael Jackson. Uh, oh, the red jacket. The red jacket as well. And do my makeup like a zombie beforehand, too, because I don't know. I mean. That's very tasteful. <laughs> A lot of liquid latex. He wants to look decayed before he actually is. Did I tell you that Olivia said that she wants you to dance with her at her wedding and they want and she wants you two to do the thriller dance as her father daughter dance? Okay. We can do that. Okay. Now, now keep in mind to our listeners, Olivia is seven. She's seven, but she thinks that's <laughs> the best idea ever. I yeah, I think that'd be great. That'd be fun. Twenty years from now we'll see if it happens. I'm fine with doing that. That'd be great. Uh, Or even if she doesn't want me, I'll just surprise her with it. That can be that can be a gift. (laughs) Where's Where's Dad? Oh, he's getting ready in the bathroom. Uh, Oh, here he comes. That's great. (laughs) And then you have the creak of the beginning of the music, and she'd be mortified. (laughs) All the lights drop. Spotlight goes. Overly dramatic as she is, she would be absolutely mortified. Another listener wrote and says, here's some answers to some of the questions we've been talking about. Uh, no, you can't uh, call Real Ghost Stories online uh, from outside the U.S. I tried it and nada. Uh, well, I think it depends what country you're in, because we did have someone in the U.K. call the other day, and they got through just fine. So I think that is uh, dependent on where you are at. Okay. Or you may need to do the country code. You probably just can't dial it. In general, we can't just dial a regular, you know, 855-853-4802. A lot of times internationally, even if it is an 800 number like that, you have to still do the country code. And I have no idea what it is for the U.S. So uh, check with your phone provider on that one. But I think it can be done. Okay. It can be done. We know that it has been done. Um, in Mexico and the rest of the Latin countries, by law, you must uh, bury the dead within 24 hours of them dying. So there you go. Okay. Not a whole lot. Of, you got to get that embalming. You got to have like a pre-planned. And if there's a weight on the embalmers, that's, you, know, you probably just don't get embalmed. And you hope to God they're actually dead and not going to scratch their casket out. I don't think they probably have too many more occurrences now, or too many occurrences at all now with the advances in medicine. Hopefully not. I don't think it's a problem much anymore. They're pretty good at calling dead, dead. Probably depends on the area you live, though, too, and the quality of the medical services available. Well, and that's always a variable. But I would say, you know, most modernized countries are probably not burying a whole lot of live people. You'd hope. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Some caskets since the XII century, which would be the 7th century. Okay. Correct? Oh, no, that's 17th century. Um, XII would be 12th. 12th. Oh, yeah. See, there's me, my Roman numerals again. I'm doing so good at that. Uh, have a little hole drilled into them on the bottom to prevent the bodies from exploding. Oh, so some people were thinking ahead to relieve the pressure. There you go. And you can kind of drip out of it then. You become like a brew. <laughs> you probably do. That's you probably gross. do drip out. It's like your <laughs> espresso or something. All I can think of is that scene in Breaking Bad. All I can think of is the Nespresso machine. The liquid, <laughs> the liquid guy that fell through the floor. Yes, yes, that is kind of, uh, kind of like that. So now that we've thoroughly grossed each other out and the audience out with uh, these stories, let's go to a real ghost story that was written into us, or actually called into us, at eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. Hello. Hey, Tony and Jen. This is Dana from Wisconsin. Um, I recently discovered your podcast, and I've been really enjoying it, listening to it a lot and all the back episodes. And I came across the one that I think it was from about a week ago on um, paranormal activity in hospice. And as soon as I listened to that, I kind of had a big smile to myself because I could immediately relate to it and I thought um, I needed to I've never called in before and I've never told uh, we told any of these stories before except to family and friends but I thought I would share a couple things real quick um, I worked in a hospice home for over a year and I worked third shift and um, many many strange things happened it was not 
not unusual for um, strange and unexplained things to happen fairly frequently, especially on third shift. And uh, most of the girls there did not even want to work third shift, um, that being one of the big reasons. Um, the, a couple things that happened while I was there, some, I'll talk about the, uh, the strangest ones. Um, a lot of times we would hear whispering. Um, when it was real quiet between doing rounds at night, we would sit in the front room, which was kind of a common area of the building, and we would sit on, on this at this big table and fold laundry. Um, and it was always very quiet because there's only two of us in the whole building for between 30 and 40 residents at that time of night um, until 6, o- 6 o'clock in the morning, basically, other people come in. So it's very quiet. Everybody in the building is sleeping except for the two that are on, on working. And pretty frequently at that time, it seemed like it was usually between 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, they would hear voices in the hallway, um, like people were having a conversation, like a hushed conversation, and, or, or sometimes loud noises like doors shutting, um, sounds like things were falling off of a, a shelf and hitting with some force. And we always went down immediately to investigate down the uh, wings to investigate because, um, you know, residents can fall during the night. Um, sometimes people are up, they have a medical issue going on and we need to go and, and attend to whatever is going on. So anytime we would hear strange noises, um, they had to be checked out immediately. So we would usually go down and um, it was not, it, we would find nothing a lot of the times. We would find absolutely nothing. We'd check every room. Everybody was sleeping. Um, the times we heard loud noises, um, often we couldn't find anything that explained those either. Um, we would also, occasionally we would find our exit door, um, the back exit door opened up into a hallway and then there was another door that opened to the outside and those doors were locked at night and did have an alarm on them um, and a couple times we found when we heard loud noises like doors shutting we go all the way down to the end of the hallway and we would find that those back doors were open um, no explanation they were just ajar and the alarm hadn't, hadn't gone off and it was just the strangest thing. I mean, it, it, it was so common that things happened that a lot of times we didn't even talk about it much. We would just look at each other, whoever you were working with, <laughs> you just look at each other and uh, quickly, you know, walk, walk away, go back to what you're doing because it seemed like if you talked about it, it almost it incited more things to happen. Um, a couple times I made that mistake when I was new there and we would get in conversations about things, weird things that had happened to people, um, other people in the building, and uh, it seemed like almost always something else would happen while you were talking about it even. So uh, the people I worked with got very superstitious about it, and a lot of people didn't want to even discuss it at all. If you even brought it up, um, you kind of got a look, and they just would brush it off and move on to the next thing because... It, it was very hard to work there in the evening as it was. Um, many people passed away. Most people passed away around 3 o'clock in the morning, and the reason for that isn't paranormal. It's because that's when the body's ebb is the lowest. And so when you're already sick and, and just clinging to life, um, frequently that's, that's when you're going to go. So it was very hard working third shift already for that, for, for that reason and also being sleep-deprived. But then... Having to deal with uh, the other strange things that would happen at night, it was just an extra thing that people just preferred not to discuss it often. It make, made the job harder to dwell on that. Um, nothing that happened ever seemed malevolent. Um, the residents we had were all very sweet and loving people. In fact, many, many times you over, over a period of months that people were with us became very close to those people and they became like family. Um, you're caring for them daily on a one-to-one basis, and you really get to know them. And um, people passing away was taken was, was taken very hard by everyone on the staff. 
Um, and so you knew these people. It, and it, nothing ever seemed, um, you know, threatening or scary. It was just weird things that had no explanation. Um, another thing that happened to me and some other some other people as well, uh, toward the end of the shift, about 4 o'clock in the morning, we would have to go to the front office and we would do our charting for the night, um, which basically amounts to writing down the night's activities on each person, um, any medical things that came up, any, any issues you had, um, things like that. It all gets recorded. And while you're doing that, you're sitting in the front office and you're by yourself and the other person that is there with you is off um, doing other things and usually a different part of the building. So it was always very quiet when you're sitting up there um, doing your charting. And I was sitting there one night. Another thing that happened a lot of times is residents would usually seem to die in threes. And I don't know why that is, but I saw it happen many times. We, we would lose, we'd have long dry spells where nobody passed away. And then we would lose someone, and then in quick succession, there'd be two more deaths. Um, and anyways, it was that, uh, that kind of thing had recently happened. We had just lost, within the space of a week, two residents. And I was sitting in the front office doing my charting, and we had a shelf over the desk that had each resident's medical books. These are big, heavy books, um, big binders that are about three inches thick full of all their medical paperwork. And as I was sitting there writing my notes, uh, one of those books flew right out and landed right in front of me on top of my charting log. <laughs> and that freaked me out more than probably anything that happened while I was there, quite possibly. I was really shaken up by that because I had no, absolutely no explanation, nothing I could blame it on. Um, when something like that happens to you, it's very, it, it just produces a really weird feeling. You don't know, um, you don't really know what to think about it. At least I didn't. And um, I kind of sat there stunned for a minute, and then I got up and ran to the other end of the building trying to find the, uh, the other person I was working with that night to tell her what had just happened. And it was very, very, very strange. And that same thing had happened a couple more times um, in that about a space of a month. And the, uh, when a person passes away, those books are removed. We take them down and all their records are destroyed and removed from that shelf. But the, uh, the, law, the book that was being pulled off, at least the twice when I actually, two times I witnessed it, was right next to the space where that last person who had passed away, where their book would have sat on the shelf. Um, another thing that happened pretty close in time to that is I had gone off to do rounds and I had been working on um, writing, doing some, some log keeping again in the front office. I got interrupted, went off to do rounds. And when I came back, the um, medicine book, med book that we record everything in was, which again is a very heavy book, it probably weighed at least 10 pounds, was sitting open on the floor. Um, it had been square on the desk. And then suddenly when I got back, about 15 minutes, 20 minutes later, it was lying on the floor open and it hit the floor with so much force that it actually tore some pages out of the book. Um, so that also <laughs> was very unsettling. Um, I had, it seemed like things happened a lot in that area of the building. Uh, one night I, we were, I was up there with another person and we were t just talking and there was a loud pounding on one of the walls and the pounding was so hard that there was a bulletin board on that wall with all papers on it, announcements and papers um, with general information all tacked to that bulletin board. And when that pound pounding occurred, the papers on the bulletin board actually lifted up and, you know, moved, you know, like as though there'd been a breeze go through the building or something. So it, we knew that it had actually had happened. But the strange thing is the other side of that wall is is the kitchen area. It's not an outside wall um, or anything. And when we went around the kitchen to see, there was, of course, nobody in there because <laughs> it was once again very early in the morning. It was just dark and there was no one in there. So... 
lots of things that you never had any explanation for, um, and that were that would kind of give you the chills, but nothing that was ever, you know, ever seemed like it was threatening or menacing in any way. Um, we also had a big at the bottom of the, the ground floor wing at the at the end of the hallway. We had a big mirror. And one time I was walking down the hallway to one of the fire rooms and I thought I saw some, you know, in the reflection in the mirror in front of me, I saw someone behind me, you know, standing in the hallway. And so I turned around because I immediately assumed it's either the, the, one of the residents that was up and needed some assistance or the other person that I work with who had tried to come to find me for some reason. So I turned around and there was nobody there. And I we carry radios on us at all times at work, so I radioed the other She got cut off. Oh no. But uh I'm assuming she was playing near the end of that story there. She radioed the other person, but um can you tell she's from my neck of the woods? Yeah, she sounds like your family. Same uh, area code as well. Oh really? So I'm I, I was waiting for her to tell like the story of my grandma. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was waiting for like, and then this one, because uh, my mom called in the other day and said that uh, that, that the, her door continues to slam that she used to have. Uh, and I would have been kind of creeped out if, if she had that story. And this one woman came in. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, that's my grandma's story. <laughs> um, but uh, very interesting story. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story. We really do appreciate it. Very interesting to hear. Um, that side of, of things uh, from you know, a hospice unit because um, that's exactly what I asked you know for people to share their story um, from those those places um, if paranormal things happen to them and that sure certainly sounds like they do I just wonder if it's residual energy in that kind of situation I don't know um, I, I think probably in some cases yeah in some cases no it, I just I don't think there's you know I think I think what we learn with a lot of this is there's never a finite answer for any specific location or situation. Yeah. You know, it's never like, it's just one thing. No, you I know. know. But I was just wondering if it was maybe mm-hmm. more of one type than not. Sure. I would hope so, you know, in a lot of these cases. Yeah. I would I would not want to be trapped in hospice. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, even if you have, you know, great people there that are taking care of you and all that still, you know, if it's your choice to go somewhere else or continue to stay there in death, I'm thinking most people will probably not want to continue to stay there in death. You know? Yeah, that's true. So uh, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. I've got a picture up in our gallery section on the photo section right now. Uh, where somebody sent this to us. It's a, a home listing, and I think it's like from Zillow or something. Um, and it's of an older home, and it's in regards to the, the haunted houses. Uh, you know, how, how we're asking, you know, do they just blatantly put this stuff in the, uh, uh, in the listing? Okay. Well, it, it starts out with just a normal listing. We're built in 1901. You know, it talks about the bedrooms, hardwood floors, blah, 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 and slightly haunted. Nothing serious, though. E.g., the sounds of phantom footsteps, a strange knocking sound, followed by a very quiet, hardly noticeable even, scream at 3.13 a.m. Oh, my God. Maybe once a week. Twice a week tops. And the occasional ghastly visit, uh, vestige lurking behind you in the bathroom mirror. Uh, even still, this occurs very rarely and only in the second floor bathroom. First floor features large living room with an open staircase that <laughs> goes up to the rest of the listing. <laughs> Looks like a lovely home. You're I not mean. even making that up because that sounds like something you would just rattle off. Yeah, but it does, but it's not. It's no. like a real home listing that somebody sent us. So if you want to see that listing picture, it's uh, it's up in our photo section at realghoststoriesonline.com. It's, uh, it's towards the bottom of our photos. But uh, there you go. What do you think about that? I think it's almost like what Cisco said the other day. I think there's a whole market for it I, these days. I really do. I think. I mean, beyond you know Zach Bagans buying ghost homes, I think there's people who are actively, you know, it's a novelty. I think. You know, I think it's genius because you're going to have people that are going to want to go through that home, and it's a real good way to stir up 
people coming and, and seeing it and maybe they're not the buyer yeah. but maybe they'll pass it on to somebody yeah. who is somebody's gonna fall in love with it I mean, especially if it's a nice house you're not you know? gonna get more foot traffic than yeah. i'm sure that. You want and you're gonna get somebody eventually who's gonna go through there and be like i really love this house i don't care if it's haunted i'm gonna take it right you know it really is not a half bad idea um there's there you go the paranormal realtor and you only deal with with uh homes that are haunted <laughs> Yeah. You start a real estate agency that you probably need to do that in a larger city where you have just sheer numbers of homes because you, you, know, you have more to choose from, more options for mm-hmm. you to sell in a smaller area with fewer homes. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to share your real ghost stories with us. And remember to uh, press that subscribe button, whatever uh, platform you're listening to us on, uh, while you're listening to this next story at 855-853-4802. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, this is Jim from Walnut Creek. Again, I called uh, in about the cat. And uh, actually, uh, we may have a ghost cat um, in our new apartment. And occasionally we will hear litter being kicked around. You know, just FYI, you know, we'll hear this or hear different cat noises. Both our other cats will be dead asleep or... Uh, otherwise um, count, accounted for. But what I wanted to tell you about this time was uh, this happened probably when I was about 10 years old. And we were living in Texas at the time. And we uh, occasionally would go in and fix up houses and clean them up and repaint them and things like that, getting them ready for the new owners or you know new tenants to move in. So there's this one house that uh, we were working in and, uh, you know, it was kind of an unassuming house and an unassuming neighborhood. Yeah. And, but there was just something weird about it to begin with, just a feeling. I remember when I went into it and, uh, I walked into a, uh, when we we're cleaning, I walked into a long hallway and there was about three doors on either hallway, you know, all the way around, tell you the truth. So. And uh, I found out the hard way that when these doors closed that you found yourself in pitch darkness because I was in the middle of the hallway when all of a sudden, bam, 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 all six doors closed around me. And it was uh, probably one of the more freaky experiences of my life. So I kind of stayed outside after that, I think my parents continued to clean in there and maybe my sisters, but I don't think they really wanted to go back in there either. It was pretty freaky. And that, and this wasn't just a slight, like, shutting of the door. They, they slammed in succession like dominoes, you know. Bam, 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 bam. And it was, it was pretty freaky. And uh, granted, probably I would be more afraid now than I was when I was a kid. Because I guess a little knowledge is a little dangerous. You, the more you think you know what it is, kind of the scarier it is, I suppose. But anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you because that's one of one of my prime stories. Um, and I'll, I'll uh, call back with more. And uh, thanks for using my stuff on the show. And uh, I hope you enjoy my stories. And uh, I really enjoy your uh, your podcast. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for calling in and uh, sharing that story. Could that be the pressure? You know when doors slam because of pressure changes? Would that happen in succession like that, where it's bam, 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 because the pressure's moving? Or would they all... Is the pressure pretty equal and they'd all have closed about the same time? I don't know. But I'm thinking for all six of them to close? Yeah, I'm thinking it's ghosts. That's a lot of energy. I just wanted to put that idea out there yeah and you know i mean honestly you know how sometimes when you have a window open in one part of the house and then somebody opens the back door Mm -hmm. it it slams doors yeah but i wouldn't see it doing that to like all six of them sure you know i've noticed something um and i don't know if it's just because we have fairly heavy doors in this house or what but um i'll say this about the area in general um when I lived up north in Michigan and in Wisconsin, doors were slamming all the time because of the pressure. All the time. I mean, in summer, especially when you had your windows open and stuff, and, and nothing ghostly was even remotely thought of it. Um, 
that I mean the doors in, in our houses were not super thick I mean they were kind of like closet doors you know um, but in summer bam they're shutting slamming even in my uh, when I was in Michigan for a little while there uh, I had doors kind of like those fairly thick heavy ones and in summer there too slamming shut all the time I don't know if it's a geographic thing that it the pressure is more I don't know intense Here's my guess. Because it came in waves differently? I don't know. Here's my guess. Yeah. Um, we were, are windows open more up there? Yeah. Okay. That's exactly where I'm going. Your windows are open more because a lot of your houses up there, they have air conditioning, but it may be like a window unit yeah. air conditioning. Yeah, that's probably it. Up here, it's, here we don't. it's yeah. too hot. We go from, you know, we'll go from one month having snow to the next month, it'll be 100 degrees. And so we don't sure. have a whole lot of good days. You know, you can count on one hand the yeah. number of days you can have the windows open. And usually those days you have bugs, so we usually don't keep them open. So. Right. So that's why, you know, that we're that. not doing that much. Okay. It would be... I think if, if we did start to do that, it'd be very alarming because you're not used to it. Well, I remember having that happen a lot when I was little living yeah. in Texas. But you have to remember, remember that... Our late winter was pretty mild. Sure, so you could keep the windows open. Oh, yeah, so, okay. you know, here late February, early March, we were opening windows, yeah. so we'd have doors slam like that. That's so. got to really piss off ghosts when they're the ones that are doing it and people are writing it off as air pressure. That's like, when they I, move on to other like, things. I just expelled all this energy to do this, and I had this great bang, and there's like, oh, got to shut the window. <laughs> Yeah. This poor ghost, that's all he can do. All I can do is slam yeah. doors. That's where you get like the real pissed off ghost because they're like, all right, I've had it with you people. Now I'm going to make you think I'm a demon. There you go. That's there what you they're... go. Uh, 855-853-4802. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. My name is Caitlin in um, California. And I just wanted to um, say thank you for doing this show. And I've been listening since the beginning. And I just think that it's turned into such a wonderful thing. And um, I just love that, you know, you guys, instead of doing terrestrial radio, that you guys can say, you know, what you really are thinking and, and, you know, not worry about, having to give somebody a wee so um <laughs> thank you it was a, a broadcast that you guys did um talking about for a second talking about light as a feather stiff as a board and i just wanted to um share that <clears throat> i had um in about second grade i had played that with some friends it at school just out on the playground and um for anybody who doesn't know the game one person lays on the ground with their eyes closed and the other people sit around them um a couple on each side and one at the head and i'm sure that you know the rules for the game are different you know depending on who you talk to and you know kids change rules all the time but um, the way that we played, the person sitting at the head would tell a story, you know, just make up a story about how the one laying down died. And then everybody would have um, two fingers from each hand under the person laying down. And everyone would start chanting light as a feather, stiff as a board, and start to lift, very slowly lift the person off the ground with their two fingers. Then once they get them, you know, lifted off the ground, everyone's supposed to start removing fingers very slowly, still chanting light as a feather, stiff as a board. So one time when we were playing this and I was the, the one laying down, they had gotten me, you know, off the ground started to, um, you know, remove fingers and I could feel, you know, very slowly everybody kind of, you know, letting me go. And then I fell. <laughs> and I just remember, you know, very clearly hitting the ground and it kind of knocking the wind out of me a little bit. So um, I don't have any, you know, great experiences with that. But um, I do want to thank Jenny for bringing up the empath thing because... It's 
it's something when I try to explain it to people, um, you know, they look at you like you have two heads. You know, the people who, especially people who aren't, you know, particularly emotional or, you know, empathetic in general, don't understand. And, um, you know, they, they look at you like you're crazy. So I just, you know, I love that you brought that up and, and, it's something that I've, I've, I've been my whole life and just, you know, in the past few years kind of realized that's what this is. And, and I also do um, suffer from anxiety and depression. And a lot of times, you know, that goes hand in hand with the, the empath thing. And um, so as far as, you know, um, anything kind of supernatural, um, I went to Alcatraz once. And, um, Jenny, if you've never been there, just don't go there. It is just so intense with the energy that's there. It's, it's so unpleasant. And I, I too love history and, you know, things like that. And, and I love to go to places like that, but that in particular was, it was very draining and it is just like, you know, wrapping yourself in a really heavy blanket that just weighs you down. And, um, it's, it's hard to explain. It's, I, I, it's like, you know, putting on like a lead blanket and just, you know, wrapping your whole body or, you know, like a Snuggie <laughs> made out of lead. So um, I have a few other stories I'd like to share, but um, I'll call in with those at a later time. But again, thank you so much for everything that you guys are doing. And um, I really appreciate it. And I listen every day without fail. So thanks. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the uh, the support. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. Thank you for the warning on Alcatraz. I, I'm not sure that that was going to be high on my list of places to visit if I make it to San Francisco. But if you make it to New York, I give you the same warning about Ellis Island. Um, very much the same experience uh, right there with you with the, the empath, anxiety, depression thing. And, and it, you're exactly right. The way you describe it, it is like a lead snuggie. You just feel physically like you just you almost feel like you can't even stand up straight. You just kind of hunch over and slouch and ugh. That's that's the only way to describe it. And the fun thing is, now for folks who are not in fast, we're letting them experience that because we're selling lead snuggies no. with our logo on it on the store. And they're not lead, <laughs> but they're snuggies there. <laughs> And it's just now you can feel like an empath <laughs> with a lead snuggie. Um, I would, I, I think it'd be fun to go check out um, uh, the Alice Island is on my list. I would love to see that at some point. Uh, maybe me and the girls will go there, and, and you can. I'll go do something. Have else. coffee somewhere. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, Alcatraz, I think would be neat too. From a historical standpoint, yeah. yes, and that's the sad thing about this is that I love history and I want to visit all these historical places but I kind of know now that there's going to be some that are going to get to me some I'll be surprised that they don't but it's weird the ones that will get to you and the ones that don't what if you were wearing the lead snuggie while experiencing <laughs> the lead snuggie feeling with you know that yeah. then I think it's I like just, double weight just lay down at that point and just give up <laughs> I love the lead snuggie analogy. That's great. It was a good analogy. It is. It is. It's very good. It's very good. Um, thank you for calling in, and uh, thank you for being such an avid listener. We really do appreciate that. Another way you can help support the show is by becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get an extra bonus episode every single week emailed directly to you, and a whole bunch of other extras that we're going to be producing here. Uh, just as a thank you for folks who want to help support the show, it's just uh, five bucks a month, or you can do ten, or you can do fifteen. It's completely up to you. Um, but that uh, helps us uh, continue to do this show for you. Uh, and they get it out to you every single day of the week uh, as it is free, and that will remain free. The daily show is still free, but we want to give you know the, the, our supporters a little something extra. So if you want in on that, uh, get in on it on our website at Real Ghost Stories Online. Click on the Become an EPP button. Phone number, 855-853-4802. Hi. Hello. Yes, again, it is Selena, and I 
keep saying to wait to call in, but then I hear stories that are kind of like my stories, and I feel the need to call. Those aren't EVPs. Those are Mapuches. So this story um, is about my house. So in a written-in story, I had mentioned that... I had to go through, I'm, I do home reading, which is something I only harnessed in my early 20s after learning and finally being able to accept the kind of things that I do, which still make me extremely anxious and scared and horrified, and I love ghosts and everything about it, but then, you know, when you're laying in bed, you're like, why do I do these things <laughs> at night and dark? But, um, so we went through, it was between 50 and 70 houses before we could settle on a house. And I know my real estate agent thought I was crazy because I'd, like, go into a room and become extremely quiet and concentrate. Um, and for me, it's, like, memories, like someone else's memories pop into my head and, and smells and stuff like that. So we finally got this house. Um, had great energy. And it is from, it was built in 1948. And it's just a nice little three-bedroom brick bungalow. One of those, like, baby boomer kind of houses. And... It was great in the beginning. It was it was really great. And about a year in, we had refinished our basement, which when we moved in was unfinished except for one big rec room with just this really ugly painted wood paneling. So we had spent $3,000 and gutted and redid the whole basement. It looked fantastic. And in that January, there was a bit of a melt, and we came home, and we went downstairs, and there were two feet of water. And I know you guys bring up a lot about ghosts and water, which just really made me have to call because we had our basement flood. We had to gut the entire thing. And then our water softener flood. And then the pipe from the washing machine flooded the basement. And it was just flood after flood. And we were like, what is the chance of this happening? So we got a dumpster and we started gutting the basement. And we pulled down all this really ugly wood painted paneling. And behind one of these panels, which really irked me out because the energy in the house I thought was great. But the, it just goes to show, you just you really never know. There was this giant red spiral painted on the wall. And I don't know, maybe it was some stoners in the 70s or something. But for me, it just... It gave me that feeling in my gut, really uncomfortable feeling. So about a week later, like everyone, after afternoons, <laughs> I was relaxing, and I was on my computer, and I started hearing, like, a murmuring, and I was like, what is this? And I, like, checked to make sure, oh, sorry, not an EVP. I checked to make sure that there were no pop-ups on my computer, like, when they pop up and they start playing, like, music and stuff like that in the background. And there was nothing of that sort. So um, I got up and I go into my hallway. And in my hallway, being an older house, I have one of those giant central vents where it's like three feet long and two feet wide. So I looked at my thermostat and the air conditioning and the, the heat, nothing was on. So I'm like, where is this coming from? And I went to like all the other windows. My husband was sleeping. It wasn't him. He wasn't talking in his sleep. And there were no sounds from outside. So I sit down beside this vent and I hear it coming from the basement. And of course, I'm like, there's no way at two o'clock in the morning, I am going downstairs to find out what this murmuring is. So I'm thinking, because I work in a factory, maybe it's just some like reverberating noise or some kind of thing from something down there. And I'm just laying there with my head on this vent, and the murmuring's getting louder. And it's, it sounded like a man just kind of, like, talking in, like, this whiny, like, distressed kind of voice. And I'm like, this is totally me. I'm just hearing this. So then the bedroom door opens, and my husband looks at me, and he goes, do you hear that? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes. And I'm like, you need to go down in the basement, and you need to see if, like, someone has broken into the house. So we go to the top of the basement stairs. Doors locked. We know there's no way for anyone to be in there. But of course, my giant football playing six foot two giant man husband is also too afraid to go downstairs. So we go to bed that night. I wake up from this horrific nightmare. And this nightmare is of this kid, about 17, like a boy. And he is just pacing my basement. And I knew it was my basement because it was that ugly wood paneling that we had torn out before we had refinished the basement, but it wasn't painted yet. It was like that really dark 70s gross paneling. And he was just pacing back and forth in this open room and just really, really upset. And before we got in our basement, there was like a little workshop room in the back. And in this dream, he walks around and he goes into that work, like workshop area 
and he hangs himself. And I wake up and I'm just sweating and I'm panting and I'm just freaking out. My husband's like, what's wrong, what's wrong? Because after what we had seen, like, of course I could just be an inspired nightmare, but having the kind of dreams and stuff that I have, I was freaking out and my dog started whining and I thought, oh great, now he has to go pee, which means I need to go near the back door, which is near the stairs for downstairs. So I'm like, okay, I'm letting the dogs out. I'm going to walk this off. I'm going to feel better. So I get up and I walk and I bump into something. And at the first instant, I think it's my dog, but I bumped into it with my chest as well because girls have boobs, of course. And I am like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, Adam, hit the light. So his bedside light is an alarm clock that gradually gets brighter to, like, wake you up naturally. Sorry, I keep talking so fast. I'm just excited. (laughs) And I tell him to hit it, and it goes up fast. And the whole room got light. But it was weird because where I bumped into didn't get light as fast as the rest of the room and I just stared at Adam and he stared at me and we packed up the dogs and we went to my parents and ever since that night we have not seen or been through that again but being that the basement was gutted we even took down the dropped ceiling and they're like these crisscross wood and I got up on a chair one day in the daytime of course to check and where these crisscrosses were crossed there was it was worn down as if something had been presumably hanging there of some weight for some time so is it a nightmare did this happen i'm really curious in your thoughts and again thank you so much for the show have a great night bye and thank you for your call i get a kick out of how excited you are when you call in um you know, I would say that if you're able to pick up on people's memories during your waking hours, you're probably able to pick up on things at night, too. That being said, I think your first mistake was when you guys started to remodel the basement. Not that that's a mistake, but that can stir things up. And being that that's the basement, if something happened down there, you messed with their space. So they've kind of done whatever they can to mess that up Um, because you're right the chances of it flooding three times are pretty slim I mean there's going to be things like you know a a melt that you can't you know that that can't be controlled by a ghost but other things can possibly happen because they don't want their space messed with but um, go with your gut if you think that that happened it's Chances are something may have happened. It may not have been that exact thing, but there might have been something in the basement that that was not actually a good memory or a pleasant thing. And, you know, hopefully you guys can cohabitate and, and you know, it'll work out. Or get an exorcist and exercise the house. <laughs> well, it may not be demonic. Sure. Um, I mean, well, you, can, you can help get those things out. I mean, maybe not with an exorcism, but something yeah but if it's not happening anymore maybe it was just stirred up and now it's calmed back down and it it may be satisfied for you to just know not not saying to acknowledge it but just for you to know i mean at least when you when you if you paint down there anything bring in the paint swatches and let them pick some of the colors oh tony good grief (laughs) I wonder if that would appease some, you know, ghosts when you do remodel a house. Seriously, here's a bizarre Tony idea that sounds ha- somewhat completely insane. Here we go. But, okay, because ghosts a lot of times stirred up when there's remodeling going on of some sort. What if you involved the ghost in the remodeling and let them have some choices into what the environment is going to look like if they're going to be there too? Bad idea. Why? Because you, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't have the abilities that some of our friends of the show have, you know, I'm talking about Cisco sure. and Mary, we don't want everybody being, okay, so <laughs> Ghost, why don't you help me pick a wall color? I'm just picturing like a Ouija board with paint swatches on it, and then the planchette moves to the colors. Right. Like. I'm trying to choose between this gray beige or this taupe, so just take the swatch that you like and like move it across it the room. To the taupe. <laughs> That's horrible. That's not a good idea. Okay, so don't involve the ghost in the remodeling. No. Um, but it, it's a very interesting story. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, the thing is with suicides, it's very difficult to find documentation on a lot of those things. It is. 
um, because they're not reported in the news. Um, so yeah, um, I don't. I mean, my my suggestion would be to to go to the library or something and try and find some history on the house. See what you can dig up. Just see see what what you can find. Make it a project. I would. Yeah. I would imagine you'll somehow be able to find some information. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there are any neighbors around that maybe were there at the time of some of the previous owners that could even tell you, even if they weren't there yeah. when that happened, but be like, yeah, that family, they lost a kid in the basement. Yeah. Something. I don't know. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the story. I thought the, uh, involving the ghost in the paint swatch is not a half bad idea. Not happening. Yeah. <laughs> Then suddenly, we, that's the, the wrong ghost gave us that color. Uh, 855-853-4802. Hi. Hi, Tony and uh, Jenny. Michael. I am from California. I've been here for about uh, the past 10 years. I uh, finally decided to call you guys because it takes a while to actually write a story. I've written before, and I know you guys are back long, but I feel like I, I just wanted to share a couple of experiences. I was a kid. Uh, I'm in my 30s right now, and I guess all throughout my life, when I was younger, I've experienced very weird um, incidents and kind of just shocked it up to, and nothing more than just a little odd, until I got to my 20s when things just got really, really weirder, I guess. But anyway, um, I'll share a couple stories for now. Um, uh, I'll start with the earliest memories that I have of the house that I lived in. To this day, I think, I would honestly say that we lived in a haunted house. And this was back home when I lived in the Philippines more than 10 years ago. And um, the house was brand new when my dad had it built. Um, the area where it was built was a suburbs of, uh, kind of like the suburbs. So it was a little far, you know, far out, you know, far from the city and no one, not too many people lived there, which was nice. It was mostly just, um, grass and trees that, you know, I mean, just fields. And, um, the particular street that we lived in was the, the, the end of the street. It was, uh, and at the end of the street was a creek and beyond that creek was a, a I would say a small forest kind of um, it's actually now a park but anyway my, my dad had that house built and I was born just right after the house was finished I have three other sisters and I have a twin brother and um, my earliest memories of any incidents were uh, I remember my I was a child and the computer personal computer was still a new thing and my sister was in college and she was um, studying it was probably around 10, 10 o'clock at night and I looked at the, the, the study room and the computer was on and my I, I told my mom mom I think you know my sister forgot to turn off the computer and she said well go, go tell her to shut it down I went up to her room and she was sleeping already so I'm like oh, that's a little odd but then I also noticed that couple nights later that that particular room was actually the library where the where the computer was set up uh, or the study room the lights would always be on at night and nobody knew who left them on uh, and we were all trained by my parents to uh, turn off you know anything that you're not using so that was that and then I would the other incidents were I remember my brother and I used to play a lot of video games and we would be playing all day the Nintendo. And one day we, we, we just got tired of playing and we decided to go outside and just play outside. So we headed out to play and then as soon as we went outside of the house, we could hear the TV playing some sounds from the outside as if someone was playing the video game. And at first I thought it was my imagination because we were, we've been playing for a while. Um, but I asked my brother if he heard it. And he's like, I actually said, do you hear that? And he said, yes. So even before saying anything, I said, 
do you hear, what game do you hear? And he said the particular game that he heard, like the, the, the theme song of that game or whatever it is. And it's funny because the game was, I think it was Highway Star. It was a racing game. And for each stage of that game, there's a particular music that's played. So I said, okay, you do hear that game, right? And he said, yes. Yeah. And I said, what stage is it playing? And he mentioned the stage, like stage five or something. And I said, that's exactly what I hear. So someone is obviously playing the game. So we run upstairs go look who it was and the, the, the Nintendo was you know put away it was it was shut off TV's off you know as you know we left it and the controllers were were, were neatly folded into or uh, were inside the, the box thingy whatever so we, we just thought it was a little odd and so you know incidents like those would happen and fast forward a couple of years later I was maybe around 14 I would say, and um, there was this, my nephew had, my niece, I should say, had a, uh, a little toy of Grandmother Willow from Pocahontas, and that was on her cake for her birthday before, and it was, it's actually a coin bank, and if you put money inside, it had a rubber face, which was actually really freaky at that time, we, ne- we didn't like that toy in particular, but because every time you put a toy, uh, I mean, a coin inside, she would actually speak and she would and that rubber face would be moving like the mouth would be moving and she would say is that my Pocahontas so it's just creepy but one day um, I was all by myself in the house and I was pacing back and forth in the, the living room area because I was so bored you know we didn't have internet back then though no real I mean we had a computer uh, a Nintendo but I was you know I get tired of playing games too so I was pacing back and forth and Right, across, uh, right next to me was this um, small hall, short hall, hallway with a mirror, and in, that, uh, in front of that mirror was a little table, and on that table was that toy, the, the grandmother Willow toy. And so as soon as I, I mean, I was like pacing back and forth, and I was looking at the toy, I was looking at the mirror, and I said, you know, in my head, I said, it would be really weird if that toy started speaking. And just as I, the moment I thought about it, like that, thought crossed my mind um, and the exact moment I was right in front of the toy as I was facing back and forth the toy started to speak it started to say is that my Pocahontas as if it was talking to me and I freaked out ran away you know I ran upstairs and then just never told anyone and then related to that story fast forward I was probably around 18 at this time that toy has been long gone. It was, I remember it, um, my mom put it away in a box because we were cleaning out and all that stuff. She put it away in a box and before she even put it away, I, I tested it because, and I still remember it was still fresh in my mind, so I pressed the button or tried to put a coin in and it thing wouldn't work anymore. It was, um, it was dead. The batteries were dead. Um, no matter what it did, it just wouldn't work anymore. So, okay, so my mom put it in a box and then, you know, it was long forgotten. It was, the box was set aside somewhere near my room, and we were supposed to donate it. But uh, it was forgotten. And then, you know, years later, I was about 18. I was walking towards my room. The moment I passed that box, it started speaking inside the box. I heard it loudest. It was daylight. It was in the middle of the day. And I just freaked out. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's really weird. So I just uh, went to my room, tried to forget about it, tried to listen to uh, my music. But anyway, uh, that's going to be that for now. I'll try to call in. Not really sure if um, if this call is clear because I I don't get pretty good reception around this area. But anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for listening, and um, hope I can share more stories in the future. Um, and uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. would love to hear more stories in the future. It's always creepy when uh, objects that have no batteries in start operating. Yeah. That's, uh, that's disturbing. I mean, I will say it's one thing when children's toys start going off. We have that around our house all the time. Yeah, we know? do. But the batteries work just fine, and there's plenty of things that could easily set them off. Or so we think. <laughs> but um, it, the, that's the weirdest thing, though, is when you have something that really should not be working. That Have you ever had that? Mm. I can't think of anything where I've... I, I've had where... I've had like a clock radio 
Uh-huh. Um, like, suddenly surge with yeah. no not being plugged in. All of a sudden, I hear the radio for a couple seconds. But that's... They do hold a small amount of charge. Okay. And it can go on for a second or two. Okay. It's like sometimes, like with computers and whatnot, when you unplug them, you'll still see the power light on for a little bit. It's just the residual charge that's still there. Sure. But for it to, like, kick up, start running, that's a whole other... Yeah. Now, I've not had anything like that, but it kind of reminded me of some of the things you've talked about with the the slider phenomenon, you know, since everything mm-hmm. he mentioned was something that... Electronic. Ha- yeah. Yeah. So it kind of made me wonder, maybe there's something with him that just causes sure. things to surge. I could see that. I also enjoyed the kickback to the 90s. Oh, what did we do with ourselves back then? Yeah. Back when we didn't have the internet, back we, I mean, uh, it was very limited, you know. It was like. We had to play outside. Oh my gosh. God. Well, and even then, our, I mean, I remember our parents thinking, oh, they'll never play outside because we had such, you know, limited computer things. Now mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> this is all. Our, our, our two year old has a, an eye device and she sits there and. Yeah. What are they, what are their kids going to have? Who I mean, knows? Like, like, oh, back in, in the 10s when all we had was the, our own iPhones at the age of two. <laughs> Are we going to even communicate at that point? No, it's all going to be, it's just going to be grunts. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> everyone will sound like zombies. Uh-huh. And we'll know exactly what everyone means. <laughs> Fingers. Uh, there you go. That wraps up the, sh- uh, the show for today. Please become an EPP. It helps support the show. It helps us uh, or enable us to put a show to you every single day here for free. Um, so your generous uh, donation there of five bucks a month gets you an extra episode, not publicly posted anywhere. Just email that to the EPPs every single week. And it's a full episode. Uh, and you're also going to get in and a bunch of other uh, bonus stuff that we're going to be producing for you. Some video stuff, some cool stuff. It's totally worth it. So uh, get Especially in. with Halloween coming up. Yes. Yeah. They're going to have some pretty cool stuff on there for the EPPs exclusively. Okay. So please... Please do get in on that uh, at Real Ghost Stories Online. Click on the Become an EPP. Uh, and the, the warm, fuzzy feeling that you are supporting the show. That's, yep. the, that's another good thing. So there you go. For Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. 